let me know. You let me know when it's time. It's time. It's time. We're ready to let it rock. Let it rock. What's that dude's name who wrote that song? You always ask me this. I know, and I because never every know. single time I'm like, we gotta let it rock. It's Kevin some Kevin, Kevin Rudolph, right? I have no idea. Let it rock. Come on, right? I, right. I mean, like, I know the song, but I, I don't know Kevin <laughs> okay, Rudolph. Okay, 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 okay. Radio voice. Radio voice. Radio voice. Welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello. Um, we have a very fun episode for you today. Um, we, <laughs> I'm looking at the episode title you've given it. Um, it says The Regretisode slash The Regretting. Yes. Which is great. Um, yes. The idea was, um, I guess that's the theme. It's pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory. But um, why don't we, why don't we uh, just get with the, the basic logistics first, huh? Yes, absolutely. So it is the end of March, which means we get to look forward towards <clears throat> April, which means we get to look forward towards our new query show and first pages show. If you're not familiar with these, these are special episodes that we give to our Patreon subscribers where we critique actual queries and first pages by writers like you. Uh, our query show goes live April 13th. Our first pages show goes live April 27th. Those are both Thursdays. So if you're interested in us critiquing your work anonymously, of course, send it to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, I'd like to mention uh, today, which is Monday, we're recording on Monday, uh, today Apex Magazine, which is a cool like science fiction fantasy mm-hmm. uh, literary magazine went live with a fundraiser and print run is donating a query critique oh surprise (laughs) um (laughs) no i I knew about this so we're writing this right well okay so somebody will purchase it and it's still available as of now it is still available for somebody Uh to purchase i think Uh it's like 50 bucks or something which is the same price that it is at a conference except without the conference fees yeah um and if somebody gets that, what they do is they send us their query, yeah. and you and I both, uh-huh. two agents for the price of one, <laughs> we will critique it together, like in writing, not on the radio yeah. for you scaredy cats. Let's well, go. Um, I haven't written something down in months. So all I do is talk now. Yeah. So that's we. <laughs> so we'll use track changes. We'll yeah. help you like go through it. Like we'll go through it line by line, kind <clears> of <throat> like how we do on the radio show, but um, with less ums and Maybe. more punctuation. So if you are interested in purchasing that from us to help a, ro- a really, really, really wonderful um, magazine out. Yeah, we're not can, getting the money, by the we're way. Not, no. is, the 50 bucks is not ours. It's, it's like charity. 50 bucks going to a good cause. Yeah, yeah. it's going towards Apex. Um, you can go on to www.apexbookcompany.com. We've also shared it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is, this is the regret episode, um, which I believe <laughs> my retort was that if you try hard enough, Laura, every episode is the regret episode. Um, we don't always try hard, but today we will. <laughs> yeah, we, we are definitely going to try hard today. Um, so this first thing, this dude burned down like a whole neighborhood with a book fire. Did I see that correctly? It- <laughs> <laughs> so I think you, you, you buried the lead here. I, maybe. Uh, the well, lead okay, is did that, I did I bury the lead? Because here's the here's the well, title no, of the was, article. I was going to make a joke about how it's in Florida. <laughs> oh, that, that is always the lead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the lead, and this is uh, from Electric Literature. Um, and here here's the headline: Book burning ignites devastating Florida fire. 
So I really feel like I sold it correctly there. <laughs> you, you did. So this unnamed man, hopefully in the coming days, we will learn to know He's this just man's the Florida name. man. I don't know. He's, These people are usually just. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's the everyman. He's yeah. the Florida man. Yeah. Uh, he decided to have a paper book bonfire in his backyard <laughs> and the wind picked it up and there was a, f- and as a result. Be, we shouldn't be laughing at this. As a result, 400 acre acres of uh-huh. wildfire were destroyed and 10 homes uh-huh. and 150 people were evacuated Man. in Florida. Because he was burning books. Yeah, because he so, was burning books. So what I like what I like about this article is that um, it's really, really stretching to make it like about how fun books are as opposed to the fact that there was like this is basically like a natural disaster. <laughs> um, like at the end here you've got um, – This is a two-mile long fire. <laughs> it's two miles long. Yeah, this is crazy. Um, but at the end here we've got – let this tragedy serve as an unfortunate reminder that there are dozens of effective ways to get rid of unwanted books that don't involve a match in kerosene. Well, it's news to, news to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're laughing at a fire. Is that good? I don't know if that's It's good. not good, but do you um, know what is good? What? The man who started it has to pay for the manpower and the equipment that oh. has been allocated to yeah. stopping the fire. Well, that seems fair. He could have um, just recycled them yeah. or put them in a little free library. Kids? Yeah. <laughs> Put them um, in a little free library like a like a good, good, normal person. Okay, so which book are you burning? Because obviously I feel like there have to be some books that okay, you're so ready I've, to just like burn in a fire. I've never burned a book, but I've burned a book. the last – oh, you know what? I've burned my college notes of like classes yeah, that I hated I and I was like, <laughs> no, and I just <laughs> – um, but the last book I did, like, I consider it like bodily harm. Mm-hmm. I did bodily harm mm-hmm. to this book um, was, and I've ranted about this book before on mm-hmm. this podcast. I think it was even like last week or two weeks ago yeah. or something. Outlander mm. uh, by Diana Gabaldon. I was about two thirds of the way through and something happened that I was very, very mad at mm-hmm. and it was handled very poorly by the author mm-hmm. and everybody else was super into it and I was just not here for that. <laughs> and so I threw it across the room and it was already a book that I had picked up for free in the mailroom yeah. of my apartment building. Yeah. And it was already like a beat up paperback. Uh-huh. Um, and then I got rid of it. Mm. Yeah. I remember the one the one book I've burned. Um, and this was like, um, I don't know. I was a real idiot back in the day. And save it. Like, don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to yeah. make that joke, but you um, did it for me. Yeah, well, so I burned my chemistry textbook. From high school. Those are so expensive. Yeah, you could trade those in for like a bunch of money, and I didn't. And I, <laughs> I like fifty bucks. I set it ablaze, um, and that was that was a bad decision. And that's how Eric became a book editor, folks. <laughs> so I I was thinking today. I spent all day thinking, like, well, which books would I willingly burn? And the first book that I would burn um, is I would burn most copies of Catcher in the Rye if I could find them. Really? And I like Catcher in the Rye. Do you know why I would burn all why these books? Would you, why? Because Catcher in the Rye has ruined first-person narration. It has. Everyone has. Everyone writes their Catcher in the Rye like version, and it's all terrible, and it just makes me upset. And I wish that it's honestly at this point as much as I enjoyed Catcher in the Rye, I wish that I wish that it didn't exist, so that all the fake catchers in all the fake fields of Rye <laughs> would go away. Um, the other one, I, f- I feel like we could get rid of Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, the very easily. In fact, do you know, do you know yeah. what I would do just for pure irony? Mm-hmm. 
Fahrenheit 451. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I remember reading that the first time being like, oh, this is kick-ass. Yeah, let's definitely burn some books. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That would be that would be very funny. Yeah. Be very meta. Maybe even like 1984 or something. Yeah. Just just yeah. Just for no, Laura. We need 1984. Everyone's buying 1984. That's now. true. It's, it's the on. Whole, it's the like the number list. one book in the world now because that's the only literary reference anyone has for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so lesson learned. Uh, so w- uh, would you say that th- this is a regret of this? I'm I trying- would say. I would say. And my favorite part about this article is actually that there's. So you you said that there are dozens of effective ways to get rid of unwanted books. Yeah. Um, the options that this article at Electric Literature gave are <laughs> donate, sell, recycle, or get really creative and hollow them out and repurpose your hardbacks <laughs> as the perfect hiding spot for your deepest secrets and or jewelry. The ideas on Pinterest are endless. Imagine, imagine being some dude in Florida. I'm picturing like panhandle type <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like just some like guy. Like with the gators. Yeah, yeah. Just like some guy who like needs to burn, like he's like trying to cook something or he's like trying to set something on fire and he's like, all right, I got these books for fuel. Imagine like someone like coming out and being like, no, no, I need to hollow that out and put my favorite jewelry inside. Imagine what this man would think. I feel <laughs> Like, this is this is not a practical so I've done solution that. for our so Florida So I've done man. that, and you know what? You're correct that it's not practical because it takes for like fucking tab- ever. You could hide your tobacco in there instead. <laughs> uh, so I do have a confession at this point. Please, Speaking yeah. of like regrets, Pinterest yeah. upcycled, oh crafts. not regrets. Oh, you're talking about good things. I was trying to. be Well, thematic. it might be a regret. Okay. So I'm I'm currently planning my wedding. Oh. And if you don't know, weddings are very expensive. Uh-huh. And so when I was talking with my fiance about, you know, like things we want to cut corners on Mm -hmm. because they're fucking expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we immediately went to was flowers because Mm, everyone hates flowers. Well, I don't want to spend five thousand dollars and have something die like literally that evening. Um, I was going to make a cat joke, but I feel like that wouldn't go over very well. listeners. So. One thing I was like, maybe I've seen all these cool, like crafty things on Pinterest where you can make flowers out of book pages and paper. Oh. So I have recently started experimenting <clears throat> with book paper flowers. So Eric, Eric is in my wedding, y'all, and he's going to have to wear like a paper flower boutonniere. What? If this I, works out okay. <laughs> I don't know. I was I just made that up. You yeah. probably won't have to wear yeah, anything. Yeah, we'll be negotiating that off the air. <laughs> so, so I might be destroying. So, so, so I, you've, but the point is that you have found a way to do something other than burn the books. I have, and I've turned them into flowers for my wedding. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Which books are you cutting up? I don't know if I can say because I think our audience will get very mad at us. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a book that I had literally four copies of. And three of them were hardcover, and then I took the soft cover. Oh, I know what book it is. <laughs> and then I took the soft cover, oh, and then I ripped it up. I'm gonna stir some shit up later. <laughs> it was Harry Potter. Moving along, our, uh, list, of, our list of regrets. Yeah. For today. So, so we're not actually we we're, we have a little bit of reprieve uh-huh. from a regret because it's time for our James Patterson book of the week, mm-hmm. Eric. So this book is out March 28th, which um, we're recording on the 27th. So if you're listening on the day that print run comes out, it's already out. Um, Excellent. Because I need to buy it immediately. Good. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this book, 
by James Patterson is called Private Paris. Mm. Private Paris. It is available in hardcover for um, $19.60. I'm not actually sure what the full list price is. That's the <laughs> give Amazon me, give price. Give me the copy. The, the Kindle has it for $9.99, but for pre-order, you can get it for $8.99. Here's the copy. Paris is burning, and only private's Jack Morgan can put out the fire. Mm. I'm not actually sure if there's a typo here, because if Jack Morgan is a private, there's an apostrophe S, but I don't know what private's, like, the company is. I'm not entirely certain. Either way, it makes me think (laughs) about, like... Dicks. Yeah. Anyway, continue. When Jack Morgan stops by private Paris, private's Paris office. Okay, so private's private is a <laughs> is a, is a thing. It's like a company. Uh-huh. When Jack Morgan stops by private's Paris office, he envisions a quick hello during an otherwise relaxing trip filled with fine food and sightseeing. But Jack is quickly pressed into duty after a call from his client Sherman Wilkerson, asking Jack to track down his young granddaughter who is on the run from a brutal brutal drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Before Jack can locate her, several members of France's <clears throat> cultural elite are found dead, murdered, and stunning. Every single one of these books has some cultural elite being dead. Like, everyone is always, like, every rich person is just getting murdered. What else are you going to write a thriller <laughs> about, Eric? I don't know. I guess I wrote my thriller about, like, toxic masculinity <laughs> that one day. But, you know, people actually, a few people have actually said they, I mean, I, when we first did that, everyone hated it. <laughs> it was like, what is this? I mean, we got a bunch of, like, you know, tweets and stuff about it. Um, but lately, people have actually been coming. And some of our later listeners have decided that they liked it. So I'm, well, feeling, much, I'm feeling much more hard. Now, hush, let me finish. <laughs> Before Jack can locate her, several members of France's cultural elite are found dead, murdered in stunning symbolic fashion. The only link between the crimes is a mysterious graffiti tag. As religious and ethnic tensions ethnic oh. as religious and ethnic tensions simmer in the city of lights, only Jack and his private team can connect the dots before the smoldering powder keg explodes. Hmm. Man. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds really good. That sounds um, great. So <laughs> you might be wondering how James Patterson made it into the regret episode. Besides um, the fact that that's a normal besides, bit that we do. <laughs> um, besides the fact that he makes it in every episode because we love him. Um, I only get emails from Amazon about James Patterson yeah, now, <laughs> and it's the only way I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he did a thing this week that really, really – amused me and made me it filled me with regret for myself that like you the, missed out on an opportunity the regre- perhaps the regret is mine <laughs> um which is we he you know there was a press release for one of his books um the book is called the black book um the cover is black it's a book i mean i guess we're at the point now with james patterson titles where um we're just naming it things um that it literally is so um but anyway he gave um there's an ad there's an ad here and so there's this quote here on there that says, I think the black the black book is my best work in 20 years. Better than along came a spider and kissed the girls. Dash James Patterson. <laughs> he's blurbing himself. He he's well, they're literally circulating marketing materials now with his own quotes about his own book. And and basically and that's okay. <laughs> and the quote is just, I'm awesome. And this is the best thing. And you know what? 
honestly, good like, for him. That's poor form. I mean, and it's not even poor form. It's just absurd form in kind of the book publicity world. But really, like. I'm all in on it. Like, I think this is great. This is the best thing James Patterson's ever done, which is just like, you know, he keeps cutting out the middleman on all these things. It's like, if you want to be published, um, you know, most authors like hope to find an agent and get submitted. No, 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 no. He's like, James uh-uh, just, right with me. James just buys, James, <laughs> James just takes over the imprint. And James now, is the best. He's the best. He's his own, he's his own completely vertically integrated publishing wing, right down to endorsements from other authors. He's the only author that matters. Um, and he is now blurbing himself, um, which I found which I found hysterical. And I was going to say, like, we we should start blurbing ourselves. Um, we need to start getting okay. out in the internet and start, like, um, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what our, what our quote would be. But, like, we need to go – like, we keep encouraging our listeners to, like, go on iTunes and, like, give us some stars and stuff. We should just give like, ourselves should, some stars. <laughs> we should like, create a bunch of fake accounts and do that because clearly that's the method at this point. Though he didn't even create a fake account. He just did it himself. He just did it himself. It would be like you and me reviewing it and being like, this is the greatest show of all time. I, I think it's our best work in decades. I mean, I and, think it is. <laughs> like, it, like that two is dec- technically true. Two it's decades not- ago I was drawing stick figures. Yeah, well, yours were – much worse than mine, I can imagine. A decade and a half ago, you were thinking that like <laughs> books were like hand copied each each yeah, copy. That's true. Um, <laughs> anyway. anyway, so so this black book actually comes out on Tuesday the twenty eighth as well. Oh, so we have so two. We have two James Patterson. We books have two. We, do you want me to read the thing? No. Okay. Don't read the thing. It's basically the same. Yeah, no, I mean they're all they're all the kind of the same. There's a murder. There. There's a yeah. brothel. There's that caters to Chicago's most powerful citizens. See what I'm saying, though? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying about the the cultural elites that keep getting murdered in James Patterson novels? Why is it more? I guess I was going to ask a question. I know the answer to, which is why is it way more fun to murder rich characters? Because it just is. Because like it matters more. It's self, it's self evident. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, okay. So so the last. The last line of one of the paragraphs is, now shockwaves are rippling through the city's elite. Yeah. Elite loves that word. Yeah. Loves the word elite. I bet he does. So we actually do have a real topic for today, um, which might surprise you, (laughs) given that what we've uh, been up to for the first half of the show. Um, But we do want to talk about regrets. We want to talk about sort of book-themed literary regrets, um, because most agents and editors have a few. Maybe it's a... Um, a book that they passed on that ended up being awesome or something they wish they had signed that they didn't or um, a book maybe they did sign that they wish they hadn't, um, you know, anything like that and how that kind of ties into taste and how that ties into sort of the subjectivity and kind of the constant moving targets that this business represents. Um, so, Laura. Yes. Why don't you start? Why don't you tell us, you know, what do you have any literary regrets? Let me count the ways. No, I'm just kidding. Um, one of our listeners asked this as, as kind of yeah. One no, of the, this was a, this was an ask print run question. Yeah, and the, the question specifically was: Are there any books that you passed on that did well? Mm-hmm. Do you regret that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the answer to that is yes. There are books that I passed on that did well, yeah. and no, I do not regret that. Um, simply because. If I passed on something, it's because I didn't like I, I just I just wasn't feeling it, yeah. you know. And at the end of the day, something I learned, and you know, I have when I was a very baby agent, signed mm-hmm. a book that I wasn't head over heels for. Yeah. Um, 
for, you know, various reasons. But I signed a book that I wasn't like super in love with. And then I realized that I had to read that book like seven fucking times. <laughs> and yeah. then that's, you know, that that's kind of when I figured it out where it's like, you know, the reason – the way that I think about it is that the reason the book does well when I pass on it, uh-huh. some part, not probably a big part, but some part of the reason it does well afterwards is because I couldn't have gotten it there. Like it's because the person who really loved it was, it was able to get it there. It, it was, was a, a fit. fit. Right. But there is a time that I definitely do regret not signing a book. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's not about me deciding not to sign it. It's about the author deciding not to not to go with me. Oh. Um, yeah. So I'm fairly new at this business uh-huh. in comparison to a lot of people. Uh-huh. Um, and one thing that I've learned is that there are specifically two other agents in this business who in certain categories have the exact same taste <laughs> as me. Yeah, that'll happen. And they have, you know, more big names on their list. Mm-hmm. And they've got a bigger history in this in this business, and uh-huh. and um, what that means is that when we all offer, I lose, and so <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it actually happened like this last year. It was really sad. I haven't I didn't sign anyone for ages because right. I lost out on four books in you a kept row. Bidding against the same people, I kept bidding against the exact oh, same brutal. people. But so super brutal. And that's what I regret it because, like, I truly believe not that not that I could have necessarily done better, but that I could have like I could have done that. You and, saw like, it. And I, it I saw yeah. it and it worked, and I could have been there, yeah. and you know all right. of all of that. Right. Like it's like, but I could have been really good. That's so. That's interesting. Is that regret? I feel like because I don't feel like you did anything wrong there. You know what I mean? Like. I feel like it just kind of broke the wrong way, and eventually, you know, it'll kind of break the right way. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> that's rough, though. It, it's um, super do you have like rough. do you have like voodoo dolls of these people? Like, um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'm, in some ways, I kind of look at them as like taste arbiters, which is kind well, of you weird. Like, I mean, in a way, you, you know, they're kind of similar to you. Yeah, yeah, they are, but they're just so much more successful than me. <laughs> well, you know. That'll yeah, happen. no, I, I mean, I just like, I tell myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to be this person when I grow up. Like, yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah, have yeah, yeah. this name yeah. recognition. Like, I'm going to do that. And it's kind of one of those things that like keeps me going a right. little bit. Right. But I mean, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so let's see. I'm, I'm trying to think of my own, my own list of regrets here. Um, so the first one really, it was my first week. Um, at Overlook, um, where I worked for almost a year, um, I was I was an editor, and I had I got this manuscript in. It was like the first book submitted to me, so I had no frame of reference for how any of this was going to go, right? And it was this novel, and I really really loved it. I stayed up all night and like read it, and like came in the next work the next day at work, like all like sunny and happy, and I like wore my like good shirt to pay, you know you know what I, you know what I mean like one of those kind of days. your good shirt huh uh, the yeah the one shirt that I had that was like acceptable to wear to a was it the bear book yeah no 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 it was the second it was the second book by the bear book author ah, come, come on now okay all right <laughs> it was all the right. follow up to the bear book folks um, I've heard this story before that's that's how much it's the only yeah. story I tell um. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, no, so there was it was this novel, and I loved it, and it was by this kind of um, older author who hadn't written in a long time, but um, yeah, I I loved it, and was like all ready to sign it and all this stuff, and I couldn't quite like my boss pressed me on it when I first asked about it and like brought it to his attention and everything, and he ended up telling me not to sign it, and we sort of agreed. And I sort of, like, uh, faded on it early because I was like, I don't want to, like, make anybody that upset. Like, I'm just going to let it go. I'm sure, and this was the thought that haunts me, is I'm sure there will be other many good books (laughs) across my desk. And I let it go. I was like, oh, all the submissions are going to be like this. All the books are good. Because it was your first one. Yeah, and it's kind of like what we were talking about uh, during the show when we kind of discussed our – uh, starts right, um, but it was definitely the best submission I got in my entire time there. Even it's the very first one. Oh bummer! And I didn't sign it, and I don't think it, I don't think it's out. I don't think it's out to this day, um, which probably says that maybe my taste is weird. But like I loved that book, and if we're talking about like you seeing it and wanting it to succeed, like that's the one that like makes me like cringe. Um, the other one is I remember same job. You know, working as an editor, um, there was the science book that came in. Um, I don't even I don't even remember the angle because the angle isn't what made me angry. It was sort of the uh, situation of the negotiation. Um, so I wanted to buy it, and my boss said, "Okay, great." And so he gave me a number that I was willing to go um, bid with, and I wanted the number to be higher. And um, but I couldn't get in there. But I was like, "Okay, we'll just go with this. You know, maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't." And I remember losing out to the guy I had worked for at my previous job. Oh no! <laughs> at Oxford University Press, where I had spent two years doing nothing but just bitching that um, we weren't spending enough money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and building their and, science yeah, list, yeah, yeah. right? And so I like I spent that whole Oxford job being like. We know, you know, we don't bid enough. We never make, you know, we're never going to get any good books if we don't actually put any money toward any of this. And then the next job I get, I got outbid for a science book from from the OUP. same guy. Or any like sent me like a snarky email about it. I was, <laughs> I was so mad. There, I, I, I was I was not here. How, to get how well shit did talk. the book do? Uh, it did pretty well. I mean, it sold um, good by OUP standards. It was a. Um, yeah, it was it was a solid it was a solid book for them. It, it was probably better for them than it was for me. But I did not like losing to this <laughs> person I had I had previously worked for. Um, yeah, that was that was tough. So there's something in being an agent that I didn't quite expect that I that I don't know if you necessarily like as an acquiring editor have experienced consciously, but mm-hmm. perhaps subconsciously. Yeah. But but for an agent, it's really, really conscious. Um, so it kind of comes with a story. So I, when I was a baby agent, I'm still a little bit of a baby agent, but when I was like super baby, when I was brand new, one of the first like two, three books that I signed, um, was a young adult, like contemporary thriller. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and this was in, 20 late 2013 early 2014 something around there Mm -hmm. and that was like peak dystopia time (laughs) like in the book world (laughs) in as opposed to the real life (laughs) yes well no peak dystopia is right now yeah yeah yeah. um yeah so in the book world it was you know 
in YA, it was peak dystopia. So so lists were making a lot more room for um, like science fiction dystopian novels. Yeah. And then like some paranormal yet. And then like a little bit of like contemporary romance, right? right? Very, very little room for like contemporary, like super gritty, like thrillery type books. So I tried, I, I signed this book and I still to this day love this book and I believe in it, right? Mm. And I tried so hard for, you know, almost two years to to sell this book. And, and it didn't we, sell. You know, we did edits, we did this, we did that. Yeah. It didn't sell. And uh-huh. this author was also, you know, very attached to the idea of having a big five publisher. Right. right. And so like the author was really frustrated and then I became very frustrated because of like just the market, like it was really hard to buy and like all of this stuff was happening and it just wouldn't sell. And eventually the author and I parted ways mm-hmm. and like just a few months after that happened, mm-hmm. guess what started to sell? That contemporary YA <laughs> thrillers. Yeah. And yeah, you know, brutal. it was it was like a really hard lesson to learn cuz I had spent like hundreds of man hours on this project. And it just wasn't the right time. And it for wasn't it. the right time. Yeah. It wasn't the right time. Like I truly believe right. that book came to me right, right. now. Uh-huh. And I tried to sell it. Yeah. I could sell it. Right. You know, and 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 basically so what happens is, you know, there's not that many young adult editors. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them saw it. And yeah. it's not even that this this author could like find another agent and then try to sell this book. Like yeah. this is this is a book that really like can't be out on submission anymore because we wore it out. Yeah. We wore it out. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a bummer because <laughs> I I just yeah, it was like yeah. it was a it was a it was an exercise in frustration for everybody. Really. And so so my question to you is did you experience a lot of that kind of like trendiness or like certain spaces to fill the list in your two jobs. I know you're a little bit different. Well, I feel like, um, I mean, yes, but I actually have, I actually have an agenting experience. Really? Um, I know that I'm very new to the agent world, but, um, I do have one right now that kind of feels like that is I have this book. Um, it's, nonfiction by this journalist guy, and we're still going to sell it. It's a great book. Someday this book is going to sell. But um, it's about Iran. And it's sort of this look, um, you know, he kind of goes there. It's sort of a travelogue meets uh, sort of political historical discussion about um, what it's like to actually talk to these people in light of, um, you know, the Iran nuclear deal and all these things and like how, you know, this future of this country is going to be decided by not the people who you think. Um, And it's really, it's really well done. But before we could get it out there, um, let's just say that our relationship um, with the entire world, inc- including Iran, has changed um, <laughs> since since November eighth. Um, That's and, even worse than just yeah. like dystopia books being super yeah, no, hot the, right the, now. Yeah, the dystopia came to me, and now my <laughs> book that wants to talk about the art and culture of Iran is no longer what anyone wants to talk about um, with that part of the world. So we've had to kind of go back and because we didn't quite move fast enough, I feel like when we had a window when sort of, um, you know, people were starting to look at it a little bit more friendly. Like a lot of the feedback I'm getting from editors is that 
no one wants to look at this part of the world this way right now, which is a really interesting bit of commentary that I'm sure we could spend time on, on a different in a different episode. But like um, nobody wants to see the positive, artsy, the, the, yeah, intellectual no, the side is, of the Middle East. The point is, is that we had uh, um, we've had to sort of reframe you know, this man's sort of travelogue experiences through this. And I, I guess my regret is, um, well, my, I guess my regret is Trump being elected. I don't know what my, <laughs> I don't know what my Mine regret too. is. Um, it's, um, I guess, but then again, you know, you think about it with this timing issue you're bringing up and um, the timing would have been wrong or we would have needed reframing even if we had sold it beforehand. You know what I mean? If this is really... You they know, would if, have required it in editorial. The problem, if the problem is the uh, readership changing and attitudes changing in the book buying audience, then that problem would have existed if we had already had a deal. Now, obviously, it's always better to already have the deal, but like um, we would have had to do this work anyway. So I guess that in that regard, I feel a little bit of solace. But um, when you publish in sort of the world events uh, sphere, you know, you, you have. Um, you know, there's windows that you have to hit, I guess. And, and you never know what's coming. And you never and know. What's so, not. Yeah. So um, we didn't That's we didn't so hard. It. It's so um, hard. It's fun, though. You know, like it is, I mean, some of the, I think that, you know, you were telling me before we started that you like know um, someone who like passed on the life of Pi. Yes. You know? Yes. And like, I, yeah. I have a, I have a book publishing friend yeah. who like will still tell, and he's no longer an editor, right. but he still tells the story about how. He was working for a big five. Yeah. And he went to the board uh-huh. and said, This is the best book I've read in years. <laughs> you need this book. Yeah. And they said, Nah. And then another house got it at auction, and then, presumably. And then it became the life of pie. Right. Like, you know, like at least I don't have a life of pie story. I remember hearing a story once um, from someone who told me that they had passed on a book. Um, and they had passed as the publisher. Um, she was an editor. And she had passed because it was a, the author was already dead, um, which is always, you know, a tougher sell because you need usually want the author there for promotion stuff. Like it help it helps to have a live author. I know that's a crazy take. <laughs> but like so so the things working that's such a weird thing, thing to consider. Right, but no, but the thing working against this project was that the author was deceased. Um, that it was a it was a work in translation. It was a very cold and dreary book that dealt with um, you know issues of violence, and it was sort of a crime noir novel from a part of the world no one really cared about. Um, and it ended up being the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh no! <laughs> Turns um, out that was, they found another author to finish writing yeah, that series. They, but the way she was framing it, it was so good because it was like this posthumous translation from a part, you know, from like not that provocative part of, you know, the world. And oh, it was kind of like genre fiction. You know, she like she like made it this whole thing and it was like, man, like you really, and that's the thing with it though, right? It's like there's so many things that you can miss out on. Um, and, but uh, then there are things that you miss out on on purpose yeah. and then you find out that everybody else is hopping on the train. Yeah. So I had a conversation, I'm, you know, Agents are friends with other agents. Surprise. Uh-huh. Uh, many of us are at different houses. And yeah. I was speaking with one such agent today. And this agent was telling me that they are kind of competing for this book. Mm-hmm. And like 12 other people are competing for it. And it was something that I read literally last night and turned down this morning. Yeah. 
And then now 12 agents are fighting over it. Yeah, I'm having one of those right and, now, too. Yeah? Yeah. What's what's your story? Well, just this. I mean, you the should, exact same you thing. Should, it's sort of the same thing. We're like, I'm the only one in the whole world that doesn't want it. <laughs> so, like, yeah. that makes me wonder. I was yeah. just like, why yeah. don't I like this and what's wrong with me? Right. I was like, I literally read this last night, and yeah. now I find out that people whose taste I love and people whose taste I respect, not even just, like, strangers, right. but, like, my fucking doppelgangers <laughs> and then also my friends. The doppel- like, I'm picturing them as, like, you know, Shakespearean witches or something in your life. Basically. Like, <laughs> these, basically. Like, figures that just sort of haunt you. Um, they do. Yeah. I'm not going to say who they are. Yeah, don't. No, I, because I think that... And, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it sounds like you have a friendly relationship with these people. Like, I'm sure we should have, like, one of them on or something. Like, um, I don't know if I'm emotionally ready for that. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. That'll be one of the episodes we have. We'll have a little therapy session right here. <laughs> Why are you so much better than me? Well, Laura, I don't know. But um, <laughs> but anyway, back to back yeah. to the point. Yeah. It's, it's that, like, it just reminds you. It's like... Every once in a while, you you question thinking if you're absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Like if everybody else wants the book and you're like, nah. and and so much of the time, you know, it's just taste. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I don't know why I don't love things that I don't love, and when I should. Well, this is um, taste is interesting because it's a question that. You don't really get a right or wrong answer to really ever, but definitely not for like years, you know, until you actually see like what happens with the project, how it gets reviewed. You know, it, you don't know really like these this Life of Pi story or the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo story we just told, like those became the successes they became years after this person passed on it. You know what I mean? Like it took some time. Yeah. And so you don't know right away. And what happens a lot of the time is because the decision is so much uh, is so long before the actual result that people tend to like forget their rationale for why they did things in the first place. Or I guess you probably see this more in house than ever. But like you see someone, you see an editor sign a book, and then years later or a year and a half later, it publishes and it doesn't do that well. And then you see that same person sign like the same book again like the same type of thing. And you think, well, wait a second, that book probably isn't going to do that well either. And I think the reason those mistakes and stuff get repeated so frequently is because the result is so far away from that actual juncture of decision. And so regret is a really easy thing to uh, feel in retrospect, but it's a lot tougher thing to kind of work into your um, decision-making process up front because it's so subjective there's so much just like gut feeling that comes into this stuff, right? Like it's so much just about, you know, I think um, I think that taste is actually, it's sort of a very like fancy term for your gut. Yeah. In, you know, in the kind of in the book world, you know, it's like making. Your viscera. Yeah. It's yeah. a non-scientific way of making a judgment on a book. And you're not really ever going to be right or, I mean, honestly, it's probably self-fulfilling, right? Yeah. Like. If you like the book and you believe in it, you're probably going to do better at selling it. Whereas if you thought that you thought it wasn't any good, but you believed that it was like the right thing for the market and you tried to sell it, you'd probably fail because you weren't the right person to do it. You know, so so much of that stuff is, um, you know, you sort of feed into it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, and the timeline—the timeline is really 
really interesting. Yeah. Because like one of one of one of the books that mm-hmm. I've lost out on, it went to auction a week later. Mm-hmm. And it's so it was a seven house auction or eight yeah. houses or something right. ridiculous. Yeah. And it sold for like a billion dollars. It's like suddenly you're not like skimping on flowers at your wedding. Yeah. Sort of and now, yeah, now I'm not like <laughs> cobbling together flowers made from like a Harry Potter book right, paperback. Right. Yeah. Um, Thank you for clarifying paperback because how dare you desecrate a hardcover? I have three copies of it in hardcover. Which one? It's number five. Order oh. the Phoenix. Well, that's the shitty one. Oh, you can't say that to our audience, Eric. <laughs> you cannot say that to I'm our audience. It. I don't regret it. You know, a lot uh, of people will say book five is where it gets good. A lot of people are idiots. We've been over this. Well, we've just spent this whole episode <laughs> talking about how we're wrong about stuff. Come at me. Come at me about Harry Potter. <laughs> I, you, think I, you think I care about your Harry Potter takes? Bring it. Like, yeah. I <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, that like that that one was so much more visceral because like I yeah. truly believe that like I had edits that could do yeah. it and I you know all yeah. of this stuff. But I don't know, I don't know. It's so hard. It's so 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 hard. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm just gonna continue like liking what I like and not signing yeah. what I don't, and well, then I think like that's the only way to do it. Hopefully, yeah. I'll beat my doppelganger someday. Or you could learn to coexist peacefully. I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Oh, man. I think it's time for our pub tip oh, I, or a right tip. What is it today? Well, I don't even I'll, know. I'll, I'll tell you what it is, Laura. Um, it's a right tip. I guess it's more of like a edit tip. A, I, I don't know. There's probably some it's horrible. still a right tip. There's some it's horrible fine. pun in there. I'm sure that we could figure out how to make like 10 minutes after we turn this off. But um, I think... That for me, this is something I've thought a lot about as someone who's kind of working through his full his first full-length novel as a writer and definitely as an editor and an agent um, more frequently because that's what I've spent more time doing. But like it's giving yourself distance between finishing a draft and actually like going in and fixing it and editing um, or at least – getting into a frame of mind where you can look at the words that you wrote or the words that you're working on an author, with an author on um, and be able to kind of view them from a distance and be able to actually make the sort of heartless cuts that you're going to have to make. Killing your darlings. Exactly. It's that sort of thing. So I think that my tip is like when you go in and finish something and when you're ready to start taking a second pass at it or even like if it's like between pass three and four – like there's all that feeling of either being exhausted or being elated that something is done or being too close to it. Too, yeah, exactly. It's all just big it's all just being too close to it. And you're never going to be the right editor or reviser, revisionist, I don't know re- what's the term. But, I think revisionist is um, okay. Yeah. It's like we almost do this for a living but not quite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh you got to give yourself space or you're never going to be the editor you need yourself to be. Now, are you talking and like actual like temporal space? Maybe. Physical maybe go space? somewhere like, else. So like, like get out of – take you take the manuscript, print it out, burn it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't burn it in a in a in like a, a yeah. heavily wooded area. That's when, when Smokey the a, Bear says it's red a, alert. That would be a very funny right tip. <laughs> a, a key part of, writers, a key part of your process needs to be printing out your manuscript and setting it ablaze. <laughs> and the marshmallows you cook on it, those will help you edit. Like something, something like that. Um, 
But uh, that's my tip. It's just like take your time and realize that if you're to really do the job you need to do on it on a given pass, is you're going to have to have some distance from it. Um, otherwise, you're going to be too emotional and too ready. Like for me, like what I'm feeling right now is like I'm too ready to be done. Like I just want like the editing to be over because I just have this feeling of like a benchmark and finishing something. Um, and so I'm like not necessarily emotionally ready to like start over again. Um, which is exactly what editing is. Which is exactly what you have to do. Exactly. So um, it may take a little longer. Than yeah. I, thought, I you know, in my life, I, I definitely tell people, you know, like read, especially when you get editorial comments or something from somebody else. Yeah. Read them. Sit mm-hmm. on them for at least three days, yeah. if not a week or two. Yeah. And then go back in yeah. because, you know, the reason for this is, you know, partially because your subconscious solves all the problems, but then also you're less emotional after a week. I wish my your... subconscious solved problems. They don't do, do that? Do people subconscious solve their problems? Mine, oh, yeah. I feel like, just creates more problems. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you're talking to somebody who had an anxiety dream about, like, errors at press last night, mm, yeah. but, like, but I also will go to bed and I'll wake up in the morning and know, like, what the important edit is for a manuscript. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah. let, let that do the work, but right. also you want to, like, forget that you wrote it because if you don't like have any recollection that you wrote a really nice line, you can be like, well, that's really nice, but I'm just going to cut it mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel emotional to yeah. you. Also, Eric, I know you enjoy this, but I would also recommend this. Um, if you write longhand, then edit on a computer. Uh-huh. If you write on a computer, like edit, like print things oh. out and like make edits longhand because it'll feel different. It'll feel different. That's a good point. It'll, it'll give you some separation. Maybe I'll do that. Um, that's good. No, I like that. Um, anyway. Anyway, so that that is our regret episode. <laughs> our our regret episode, the regretting, the twenty third episode of Print Run. Remember, our query show goes live April thirteenth. Our first pages show goes live April twenty seventh. I'm pretty sure that our query critique at apexbookcompany.com is still available. Mm-hmm. Still available. Uh, So go on there and get it. Um, If you want to listen to any of our old query shows or first pages, remember to go to us at patreon.com. And of course, if you want to submit, submit to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. We will see you next week. See ya.